Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuyper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. And we're back with another episode. Sherry, how's it going? I mean, you know, we're just talking. We just had a big lunch. Yeah. Team lunch. Now we're, it's nap time. And and we're recording and we're trying to keep the energy up. We're doing it for you, the listeners. (laughs) That food's like a rock weighing us down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think after the listeners get this out of us, it's nap time. Oh, for sure. (laughs) We need, oh, there needs to be like mandated nap times for everybody. Right? I feel like we'd all be a little bit more nice to each other if we all had naps throughout yeah, the day. Yeah, Joe and I are awful to each other. If we <laughs> haven't had naps, you should see it in here. It's, it's like the Wild West in here. <laughs> the Wild West in the public <laughs> But after office. nap time, but after nap time, it's fantastic. It's, it's great. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's just, I have this vision of like the public affairs office just like going crazy. Um <laughs> Totally not the case. Not the case at all. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, so I got to tell you, Joe, I've been watching, I swear I'm not going into a life of crime. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I've been um, enamored by some shows on Netflix yeah. recently. I watched Inventing Anna. Yes, I've heard of that Which one. is um, the one about Anna Delvey, who was the fake German heiress. The fake heiress, yeah. And Fantastic and Julia Garner from Ozarks is in it. She Ooh, plays nice. Anna, and I love her, so she can do no wrong. And yeah. it's a Shonda Rhimes production. Yeah. So and lots one, of popular... One of the actresses is from My Girl? Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 um, the journalist, the yes. main journalist. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yep. And <laughs> so, and then if you watch Scandal or any other Shonda Rhimes show, you'll see a lot of familiar faces. Nice. In it, That's which cool. W- which was nice. Yeah. Which was nice because um, I do enjoy that stuff. So I watched that. The Tinder Swindler. I, I want to watch that one so bad. And then, um, because of a mention in Inventing Anna, I watched the one about the Fire Festival. Oh, yeah. That was because a Because there's a uh, Billy McFarlane shout out in about Fire Festival in Inventing Anna. And well, I've been seeing that documentary. I didn't really care. Yeah. But then yeah, yeah. after then you watching hear about it. Inventing Anna, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. It's not that long. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Lots of... Uh, fraudulent folks out there like it was it was it was i think the most interesting part is now obviously as somebody sitting there in hindsight Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh how could you give these people money and just like yeah you know and just the things that they did but you know they manipulate you right and they take advantage of your friendship and things like that yeah and then next thing you know you're you know, you've done something you shouldn't have done and they're getting away with it and you're left holding the bag at the end. Yeah, so, that's crazy. So yeah, it's it's interesting. But inventing Anna, uh, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. I definitely want to check it out. Um we've been catching up on Yellowstone and eighteen eighty three. I have yet to watch either of those. Good shows. Good shows, honestly. a uh, little heavy. But I really like the 1883 version of it because it's, you know, the prequel to Yellowstone. I like the whole frontier Wild West kind of journey, which is, you know, you don't get a lot of that on TV these days. I feel like the Western was a thing we did 40, 30 years ago in in cinema. Not so much these days. So it's nice to see. Yeah. You know, there's a really good. Oh, man. It's a really awesome show I watched. It was about the West, and it was about when they were building the railroad system. Oh, what the heck was that show called? It was really good. Yeah. And for y'all listening, I I mean, I have to admit, Joe and I watch a lot of TV. We do, yeah. (laughs) Probably a little too much. Uh, We do other things. I definitely... 
I don't know if I do. Oh, I was just saying, <laughs> I, I feel, way too I feel like I need to justify that we that when we go home at night, we're not just sitting in front yeah. of the TV all night, but we do enjoy the cinema and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. But we do other things. Yeah. I like <laughs> escapism. So I'm always watching TV and movies and stuff like that. It's just, it's my pastime. It's what I enjoy yeah. doing. I like documentaries. Yeah. So that's I like, why I, I kind like of. I like sci-fi. Yeah. We started watching The Foundation. It's been out for a while. It's like 10 episodes, mm. but it's based off of Isaac Asimov's books. I'm so, not familiar with them. They're, it's a really good Joe's sci-fi like, sh- adventure. Like rolling his eyes at me like I can't believe you have no <laughs> idea what this is. No, it's a really good sci-fi adventure about a empire that's ex- – it's the galactic empire basically. It's been around for like 1,200 years. And after 400 years of this one emperor's clones running the the empire, it's going to collapse in the next – 100 or 500 years and this scientist who can predict the future through mathematics lays out a path for the human race to survive and succeed it's really cool it's really cool Hmm. we're only a few episodes in but it's interesting um it's been out a while so i'm behind the time on that one but i mean (laughs) sci-fi is awesome yeah yeah sci-fi is cool and especially if you watch old Mm sci-fi and see kind of what it predicted for now yeah and then you know so maybe we should watch this show because yeah. we might need what's in it in a hundred years yeah maybe we can oh predict goodness. the future and save humanity uh, yeah or, or make us go into the stars and expand our reach which elon musk cool. is trying to do i mean yeah. he's trying to put SpaceX us on mars and, and, and yeah. live on another planet so yep we've already got those minds thinking yeah which is pretty cool it's great to see where we've come in the last 30 40 years with yeah technology and stuff um, the other stuff that I've been really interested in is because um, by the time this airs, the Oscars will have played, but there's a oh, yeah. documentary about the Maryland School for the Deaf and really? their football team, and it's nominated for an Oscar. The what? football team was an all-deaf football team, and they went on this big championship run for, I think, like two years or something. It was back in like 2018, and uh, they had a documentary made about them. And it's actually, there's been a several um, movies slash documentaries in the last year or so that's coming up for Oscars, uh, including one called Coda, Child of Deaf Adults. Okay. And it's about a young girl who can hear in an all-deaf all household. Okay. Yeah, and it's... Whew, whew. Fascinating, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's it's really nice to see that they're paying attention or, or bringing more light to deaf actors, the the challenges of, of deaf people and just to like inform the community and the people and to let them know, you know, well here, um, pre pandemic. So Mm -hmm. I can't remember how long is it, but we had a young girl, uh, who was an intern who was deaf. Yes. Yeah. And she worked with us for about About six six months. months. Yeah. About six months. Yeah. It was fantastic. So, so that, that was fascinating. Learned so much. Yes. Not that I'm going to pretend I knew anything about Beforehand, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. About yeah. what it's like to be deaf with the, the culture, but just some really basic things. I was like, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. And I mean, once I learned it, it was kind of obvious, but just like, yeah. just like the way they understand, like you, you and I understand English mm-hmm. and when we talk to them, like how they're interpreting it, you right. know, on their end and things like that. And when you watch uh, people sign when they're, you know, the things that they're doing to emphasize like, you know, you and I use our words to emphasize excitement, but yeah. they use their gestures and right. things. And it's re- it was, it's it really was super cool. fascinating. Yeah. So it was an education for those of us in the office um, as well. Good education. It was very, it was very, very neat experience to have. Yeah. And I think she had a good time here too. Yeah. So. So, and it's, it's great that you bring up, you know, the intern that we had. It makes you think of 
of support for people with with disabilities or with challenges. And in the near future, I will be bringing with me to work a service dog. And similar to like somebody might have a dog because they're 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 blind or they have an impairment like hearing loss or something like to that effect. I'm getting a service dog for yes. post-traumatic stress disorder and some other things that, you know, I have going on. Uh, so they'll be joining the team. Yes. And they'll be here. So the next podcast. The next podcast. The, the, the second one in March. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to interviewing your service dog. Me too. Me too. I don't and know. you, of course. And you, oh, of, of course. course. Yeah. I know I'm totally going to take second seat to my, to my service animal, my new partner. But yeah. And this kind of brings up what we're talking about today, which yes. is a really great uh, subject. And big subject. And a big like, subject. Like big as in broad, in-depth, lots of weeds subject. Yes. Lots of nooks and crannies to really dive into. We're talking about the Exceptional Family Member Program. So with the Exceptional Family Member Program, before we dive into our interview, on March 2nd, we had a town hall. And... W- several experts um, here at Fort Meade to talk about the Exceptional Family Member Program. So we had the family piece, we had the medical piece. So I'm asking you to go back and watch that um, because we do know that it, it is big. As Joe said, lots of weeds, lots of nooks and crannies, and we know it's a lot to take in. So go back and watch it. That resource is available for you on our Facebook page. But today we're talking with the medical EFMP staff. So we're talking with Dr. Denise Richardson, who is the EFMP medical director, and Mr. Dwayne Watson, who's the case coordinator at EFMP. Uh, Good morning, Denise and Dwayne. Thanks for being with us here today. Good morning, Joe. (laughs) Thank you for inviting us. We're happy to be here. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, and so this is a, a big deal. This is a very important program. But for those who don't know, can you explain what EFMP is? Uh, yes, this is Wayne Watson. Um, EFMP is a is an is assignment uh, coordination program assisting uh, family members uh, who are uh, transitioning to medical bases, CONUS and OCONUS. That sounds like a very simple way mm-hmm. of describing probably one of the biggest programs that the Army has. But Dr. Richardson, who should be considered an exceptional family member? Yes, Sherry, that's a great question. So exceptional family member is any dependent. So it can be a spouse, it can be children, it could even be adult parents who may be living with the the service member. So it's regardless of age, if they have any physical, emotional, developmental, behavioral, intellectual disorder that requires special treatment, um, therapy, educational needs, or training. And so, you know, I think it's really important for folks to realize that the goal of EFMP, the Exceptional Family Member Program, is to ensure that these family members can continue to get their medical or educational needs at whatever duty station that family is next assigned. Okay, excellent. And and so what happens after a family registers with EFMP? Well, once a family is registered with EFMP, it will convey to uh, assignments that they are potentially uh, selected for what medical or special education needs that they require. And so after they register, those EFMP sites at that location will inform the inform HRC, 
you know, if those service members, if they have the services to meet that ser- that family member's uh, needs at that particular location. So basically, so what I'm hearing, so I, I don't have EFNP in my family, mm. but if you're part of this program, you're going to get sent to places who can help support the needs of, of your family members. So Fort Meade is known as a compassionate post because of where right. we're located. We have tons of resources in the mm-hmm. region. So we get a lot of folks here. So that's, that's what that's all about, right? Yes, correct. That is correct. So how can, so kind of, you know, it's such a, it's such a big program. It's such a big process. Um, once the family's registered into EFMP, how can service members check their enrollment status and what is currently on their EFMP? So yes, another great question. So what happens is once the enrollment process is complete, the service member will get a copy of that paperwork. If they have a family member who is enrolled in EFMP, they are obligated to update their paperwork every three years. Um, They will get automatic reminder emails about six months prior to expiration, and those emails will continue to come frequently throughout that six-month period. So the service member does get a copy of it. We also here at Fort Meade have a pretty robust EFMP office. So they're welcome to come in and talk to our staff members, send an email. We do have a generic email box that they can send their questions to just to check on their status. So you did mention the enrollment being for three years, sorry. So how often should service members be updating their EFMP then? So if they are auto, if they are already enrolled in the EFMP process, mm-hmm. it should be every three years. Okay. So when they get a copy of their enrollment form, it will indicate the date that they were enrolled. And so three years from there is when they should be updating. And so there may be a change in the condition. It may be that the condition is resolved and no longer requires the level of treatment it needed at the time of enrollment. Um, and anywhere within the three years, if there's a change, they're also welcome to come back to the office and say, hey, I have a change in the status of the mm. condition. Okay. So it's good for them to be mindful of that and to hold on to that paperwork. But again, we have an office here. Almost every duty station mm-hmm. has an office. So if they lose the paperwork, which can happen when they are moving, they're welcome to come back to the EFMP office and get a copy of that updated form. But it's also very important that they keep the paperwork. And one of the things that we are, we've been informing people of lately is the importance of maintaining that paperwork mm-hmm. so that when their update comes around, then it's just less things for them to gather. They'll already have it, and they'll already you know, have the, the information that they need to get the update completed correctly. Yeah, I'm an organized person, so I feel like I'd be the one walking around with a big, giant binder that's yeah. an EFMP mm-hmm. with tabs and color coding. Right. And, and not to make light of it, but... but put something together so that way at any time in the process because I feel like from what we're hearing from our our families is that's where some of the hiccups are is Mm -hmm. that missing piece of paper or that missed date um so with so with your your updating EFMP it sounds like every three years you have to correct but if there's a change in your medical condition you should do it at that point as well that is correct because no need to wait what could potentially be like two years to get the services you might need now or, or what have you and, and another thing that's important about that is that if the service members aren't staying on top of when their paperwork expires, it can then affect, you know, their assignments. Because right. now HRC is not going to cut orders until that, until that EFMP right. gets updated. Right. Yeah. And so great. we get a lot of soldiers who call us saying, yeah, I've been told I'm expired and I can't get orders. And then we look up their, EF, their last uh, update and they're like six months ago. They were expired like for six months or eight months or, you know, a year or so. You know, it's just, it's, you know, everybody's different. But that is a common thing that we see. So this might seem like a silly question, but is the only way to know if you're expiring is being that service member and being on top of your paperwork? Is there any other system 
like an online system where they can get a calendar or like are or you notification? Or, yeah, like something else to help them remember. Because there's, yeah. you know, I have a lot going on. If it weren't for my Google Calendar, I'd forget everything. Right. So, what systems are in place so they know where to look and make sure that they're on top of this? So HRC will send that email a six months prior to expiration. Okay. Mm-hmm. So service members should be looking for their emails. Okay. Um, in addition, this is a readiness program, like Mr. Watson indicated. It can affect your ability to get orders. So the units also have access to a database that will let them know whether or not somebody is green for EFMP, amber because they are approaching that expiration date, or red because they have expired. So I would go right now, go find your EFMP expiration date, Mm -hmm. go put it in your calendar, whether it's Google Calendar, Apple, whatever, and then like three months before that, put a reminder in that yeah. it's respond. Go do that right absolutely. now, today, ladies and gentlemen, so that way nobody's missing yeah. that. Because orders is a big deal. Yeah, it's absolutely. a huge deal. And it's, well, a huge, it's a huge career thing, too. I, I want to say that if if there's a caregiver in the family, be it this, this, this spouse or, or somebody else, they've already been tracking this meticulously. Let's be honest. Our military families are used to the travel and used to the change right. and used to all that. So I'm... I'm 90% sure they're on top of it. But, yeah, having that extra reminder and having all that extra, you know, cover is really, really great. Yeah. Joe, if you think I'm on top of it around here, it's because I got 5 million reminders beeping out every single day. Exactly. So (laughs) another common issue that um, families have been expressing is with these medical forms, right? Mm -hmm. They go to the doctor, the doctor gets, they fill out the medical form that they need for EFMP. The family member goes and submits it only to find out that there was something missing or not right. Now I know Joe, I don't know about you, but when I, for, I can barely read my doctor's handwriting, let yeah. alone understand what they're saying on the form. Sure. <laughs> so what are some things that, that families can, how can we address this issue? What can families do proactively when they're getting those forms filled out? Is there someone they can go talk to, to help them make sure that everything's laid out on the form? Because the other part of that is I submit the form and something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then it takes 90 days for me to get a correction. Mm-hmm. So how do we stop that before we have a three-month waiting period? So I think there are a couple things, and I know that Mr. Watson has some comments on this too, but I think number one, we talked about the enrollment form. Having a copy of that when you have your doctor's appointment at least alerts the provider, the doctor, the nurse Mm. practitioner, PA. These are the previously enrolled conditions, so make sure that all of those conditions are annotated on the form, that's a 2792, in some form or fashion. Whether to say that the condition has improved, it's resolved, no longer requires treatment, because one of the big reasons that we return packets is because they had five conditions previously listed on the enrollment and three conditions listed on the 2792. Mm. So we clearly know that there are a few conditions listed um, that are missing. Right. So I think that's number one. Make sure that, that that enrollment form is with you when you have your appointment. Yeah, I would actually say that that's actually number two. Number <laughs> one is to, is to call our office so that we can instruct you from the start. Even if you're doing an update, give us a call or come by our office so that we can walk, tell you what you need to do, make sure that you understand how specific the forms have to be filled out, make sure that you're, you have your previous summary and that those diagnoses are going to go on that form. We encourage all family members to call our office or come by our office so that we can give you the verbal instructions. And also, we also send through email the instructions for the forms and the instructions for the doctors to also what they need to fill out so that so that the soldiers are informed and so that the providers are informed. We have provider instructions, 
We have instructions for the soldiers, and we also tell them verbally when they call. So we encourage everyone, stop, call us first. And what's that number for our listeners? 301-677-8025. So communication is a big concern for families, service members. Let's say a service member has limited access to their duty email. Like today, me and Sherry have issues logging into our computers. We can't get communications out. Sometimes that happens for a prolonged period of time, right? Will will EFMP communicate with the spouse or maybe to like a service member's personal email account? Absolutely. We we do a lot of communication with spouses because a lot of times the service member is off doing soldier things and the wife is here taking care of the EFMP. That's a very common uh, occurrence. We prefer a professional email due to the encryption. However, we, work with, we will work with spouses. We send spouses uh, documents and information all the time. However, we have to be very mindful of, of patient privacy. So if we're sending medical information, we usually send it through DOD safe, but we'll send forms and, communi- and basic communication to a personal email for a spouse and for the service member. Now, if a, if a spouse wanted to come to your office and have that one-on-one and really in-depth, maybe those things you can't send on email, mm-hmm. is that an option? Absolutely. We're open 7.30 to 4.30. We have three people in the office, and we receive people all, all day long. Because I know as a military spouse that a lot of times when something like this requires the service member say I always need the service member and the service member needs to be there the service member needs Mm -hmm. to give the authorization but the reality is service members off doing service member things Um, or you know and especially here on the fort Mm -hmm. a lot of our service members do not have cell phone access correct for eight hours of a day so I think uh, so are there any other communication methods that the spouse can use to connect with you guys? Is there a website? Is there a portal that they can have access to so they can go in and see the same records that the service member sees and everything? Uh, I don't, we do not have, we do not have uh, a, an information website at this time. That is something that I know that's, that, uh, that's being worked on, mm-hmm. but we don't have a full, fully operational mm-hmm. website that has all the information at this time. However, that's why we encourage people to just come by the office or call the office. So is there anything families can do in preparation for an OCONUS assignment? Yes, that's also a really good question. So one of the, the um, I think the longest things that, or one of the things that takes the longest is for family members to get copies of their medical records if they are receiving care off post. Johns Hopkins, for example, frequently will take up to 30 days to release those medical records. And so what we ask is that you, you know, when you come into the office, understand that this process does take some time. Um, And when you come into the office, sometimes the expectation is the 5888 will be signed the same day. What comes along with that is really doing that deep dive review of five years worth of medical records to determine whether or not there is a a condition that is potentially enrollable in EFMP. So really what will help us is to make sure you have copies of those medical records, knowing it could take some time. Um, If you are knowing that you're coming up on assignment in the next three months, that's the first step is to request those medical records, have all that information. Again, like Mr. Watson said, number one, going to the office and saying, I think I'm going to have an overseas assignment. What do I need to do? What do I need to gather? And then you can work from there. So we talked about the enrollment process. Mm-hmm. We talked about the things you need to, to keep your records updated. We talked a little bit about different communication resources. OCONUS, 
Now, what about the disenrollment process from EFMP? Can you tell us about that? Well, the, <clears throat> the disenrollment process is really the same as the enrollment process. It's the same paperwork. You're still going to need a copy of your summary, and uh, all the conditions on that particular summary will have to be, on a, be annotated on the 2792, or I should say addressed on the 2792. And to be disenrolled, you know, you will... You will have to. Uh, well, it would, be de- it would be determined by the medical director, but essentially, the conditions will have to be the treatment for the conditions will have to be completed, and no further follow-up is necessary. I will say one caveat to that is behavioral health conditions. So usually, exactly. if you received at least six months of behavioral health treatment within the past five years, even if you're no longer receiving treatment at this time, you will continue to be enrolled for the behavioral health condition. Oh, that's interesting. That's- yeah, it's, that's good. I mean, it's good, yeah. yes, but I just didn't even think about that after the treatment yeah. stopped that you're still enrolled with it. I do have one more thing to add oh, for disenrollment, sure. yes. and I think sometimes folks feel if they discontinue treatment, that counts as disenrollment. Also know that that's not one and the same. Just deciding not to go back, let's say it's physical therapy, whether it's counseling, whatever it may be, doesn't always count as disenrollment. So you will still need some documentation from that provider to indicate that treatment is no longer warranted or necessary. Yes, it's really important for the, the service members and the, and the family members to understand that it's the medical record. It's, we, we don't make arbitrary decisions about, about their enrollment or disenrollment. It's all based on the medical record because sometimes family members feel like, well, I'm fine now, I'm good, so I should just be disenrolled. Right. You know, and, you know, a lot of times I have to inform them, well, you know, your doctor said he want to see you in three, more, in three months. So you're still in treatment. So it's, it's, the, it's what the medical record says, not, you know, you feel better, you feel great, right. you know, and you don't think that you need any more treatment. It's, well, what does the doctor say? What does the medical record? The medical record informs how we roll. Right. So get that binder out and keep all of those mm-hmm. forms in there. So I just want to kind of ask like kind of a, a last question. And this is a huge, EFMP is huge. It's something that all branches of the service have. We're talking specifically for the Army, but there's representation for all, for whatever mm-hmm. your branch is on this installation. You said that we, you've got three people in your EFMP office. That seems like a very small number for a base this big. Mm-hmm. We've got, we've got a, quite a mm-hmm. few soldiers running around here. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to the family members who are maybe frustrated with the process, frustrated with, you know, they're, they submitted their medical form and yeah. now they got another 90-day wait, frustrated with they, they missed their deadline and, and, you know, now they got to, you know, they're, they're missing their orders or what, what have you. What, what's your message to them to maybe make this easier for everybody? The busy family member, the office with only three people mm-hmm. in it. What would you say? So I would say that our job is to really help you. You know, we want to help those service members. We want to help those families. We want to work with you. We're not working against you. So I think the best thing that you can do is really come to our office and get educated. You know, I think having forums like this podcast are a great start so that we can get the information out and they can get to know us a little bit better. So we are co-located within Kimbrough. We're by the allergy clinic. They can come by and stop in and say, hi, I have some generic questions about the EFMP process, or I want to know how I get started. What's the best thing for me to do right now? You know, we're also working by trying to educate the providers about how to fill out those 2792s Mm. accurately so there is less frustration on the part 
of the service member and his or her family to say when they get it completed, it's accurate. Um, we're also working with our partners in the community so they have a better understanding of the process so that there's less of a delay in getting those medical records to us. So we're doing things on the back end to try to make it smoother for the, the, the family members as well. But I think definitely coming and seeing us, reaching out through email, come, stopping in, giving us a call so that we can partner with you during this process. Yeah, I think it's it's also important, you know, to to say that, you know, this is we do almost a, a forensic examination of your medical records, okay? So, and that 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 can take time, okay? Mm-hmm. So, this is not a fast process. That's why communicating with us as soon as you even get an itch that you're going to be going <laughs> overseas, you need to you contact our office. And and it's also important to, you know, keep up with your medical records. You know, they they never taught me in my 20 years in the military to if I saw a civilian provider to grab to get make sure I get the records and bring them and have them put into my my military treatment record. You know, that's something I think that going forward, all soldiers should do. If you're seeing a civilian provider, make sure that you get those medical records from those visits and have them uploaded into your MTF record so that when when your assignment comes up, you don't have to go get them. They're already there. OK, because that can call like as uh, Dr. Richardson said. John Hopkins can sometimes take 30 days to give us the records, okay? And that's 30 days of delay than when we, when we could have been doing the review of your records. So it's very important to, to contact our office and to start as soon as possible. So I do want to say that we are also providing trainings to the various units. So if you are part of a unit here on our post here at Fort Meade and you would like for us to provide a training on the EFMP process, please reach out to our office, contact Dwayne directly, send an email to us, and we will get you set up. That unit training, does that also include the spouses? It doesn't at this time, um, Mm -hmm. but I think we're looking at doing some town halls probably at noon, after hours, so that we can make sure that the family members are included. Well, in in reference to the family members, you know, all soldiers who are going overseas have to go to a levy brief. Mm-hmm. Okay. And those levy briefs are open to the soldier and their family members. And at that levy brief, the EFMP representative for the family advocacy folks who gives that brief, she goes over all of this information about EFMP. I mean, her, her, I've sat in on her briefing like three or four times and she is excellent. And she stresses when you leave this office, if you're going overseas, when you leave this office, the first place you need to go is the EFMP office over at Kimbrough, or you need to call or, or something because she understands, you know, that this process can be, can, can be lengthy and that, you know, as soldiers get, so, get started as fast as possible, the, the better their outcomes. And I will say one thing, that if you believe you're getting an overseas assignment, please do not sell your house. Please do not <laughs> give up their lease to your apartment. Do not make assumptions. We unfortunately have had families that have done all that saying, I'm going overseas. And things have not worked out as they anticipated. So until you get confirmation that the EFMP enrolled family member is good to go, do not sell anything. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point because we hear it all the time, all the things that a soldier has done, and then they find out that you, you can't go to that assignment right. because they don't. Because they either don't have the specialty or they don't have the capacity. Because some soldiers think, well, it's a major medical center. It's Hawaii. They have, it's a major medical center. Yes, it is. But, and they have all the specialties. But they may not have capacity. Capacity also yeah. can affect mm-hmm. if you go to an assignment or not. It's not just the specialty. They also have to have capacity. And I would think right now with the pandemic, too, capacity is taking a crazy hit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
you know, you might not be thinking like the pandemic has anything to do with your specialty, but mm-hmm. like you said, capacity. All hospitals are at capacity right now. That is correct. For, for the yeah. most part. So even even though on a normal day they might not be, we've got a pandemic going on. So that's something extra to think about if you're moving and getting ready to PCS at this time. Exactly. I thought of a new slogan for your office. Yes. You want to hear it? Sure. sure. When in doubt, call Dwayne. <laughs> That's going to be it. So before you do anything, call Dwayne. If you've got a doctor's appointment, call Dwayne. What do I need to bring home with me? If you're not sure what's going on, call Dwayne. What do I have to do to get it? So that's, that's it. This one's going to be welcome. ringing off the hook. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as iTunes. We're also on divotub.net. If you search Fort Need to Classify.